Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 252 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? The end of the weekend. Sunday. Maybe beginning of the work week. For some folks. But no matter where you're tuning into this or what day you're tuning into this on. Thank you. As I say all the time on this show, I know there's a million podcasts out there every day. As I'm scrolling social media, I see somebody, I'm starting up a podcast. Here we go. More, how many more ex players can we get doing shows? Um, but, uh, the fact that you chose to listen to my show, I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, as I said, it's 252. I hope you go back and check out the back episodes if you're new here. Um, do two shows a week, Wednesday and Sunday. And, uh, yeah, do some interviews, do some solo shows, talk to some fellow fight fans, kind of all over the map, but it'll always be enforcer-based podcasting. So, uh, yeah, guys, um, what are we going to talk about this Sunday, cold Sunday here in, in Saskatchewan? Yeah, little, little, uh, put some frost in your pumpkins here in, uh, in Martinsville today. Yeah, it is five degrees out. So, uh, yeah. A little chilly. Hoodie weather, if you will. I'm not giving up the fight, though. No, I went over to 7-Eleven this morning. I still wore shorts. Had a hoodie on, but I still wore shorts and sliders, man. Yeah, I am not giving that up until the bitter end. Um, although I realize I need to go buy socks. Um, <laughs> yes. We're off, to a, we're off to a hot start here on the program. Um, well, as I said, what am I going to talk about today? Well... Some just some general musings, uh, some pugilistic potpourri on a uh, just the, some comments on a few things that are happening out there. Um, I have a list. 
So I got Tim's attention already. I've got the list. Top five Montreal Canadian villains of all time. So that'll be interesting to tune into. Kind of a feeling I know what a couple of them will be. Um, also, brought back the player spotlight. It's something I've, I've, I kind of wanted to do like, oh, every Sunday I'll do, you know, and I did a couple and then whatever, I get sidetracked and forget, forget the idea. And like I said, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, Tony had mentioned to me, oh, you should do that again. And I'm like, ah, I know, I know. But, uh, I didn't actually work this morning. Um, so it was nice to, so last night I, uh, as the wife was, uh, snoring in bed there, I, I was up late and I was in the big chair downstairs and, uh, yeah, I was just kind of sitting there with the lights off, scrolling through my phone, thinking, who can I do a player spotlight on? Because that's the thing, I don't want to, you know, well, Probert or Baruby, it's like, eh, that's sort of, you know, run of the mill. That's kind of, you know, I don't like those, I like those guys and everything, but it's kind of like, you know, what, you know, do what Probert, well, that's sort of beating it to death, isn't it, at this point? So, I mean, you know, what are you going to say? Keep, oh, the Cox, you know, Probert, blah, blah, Domi fights, you know. So it's like, um, I, I kind of want to do the spotlight on maybe guys that were sort of, uh, um, I don't want to say unknown, that's not the right word, but just sort of, you know, they just seldom get talked about or they're sort of lost to the sands of time kind of thing. And, and like I said, I also want to do, um, the spotlight on guys like that you can go on YouTube and watch what I'm talking about, right? You know, I don't want to talk about some guy that played in the minors and, you know, in Des Moines back in 68, you know, like, no, it'll be a, a, a person that, at least some of his stuff is on YouTube. Um, you know, obviously if it's an NHL guy, that's kind of, I'll probably lean more towards NHL guys, you know, cause most of their footage is out there. So, um, anyway, point being, this guy is actually a real, as a personal favorite of mine. And unfortunately his, his career got cut short, um, with an injury, but, uh, just one of those, just a, a, a wide open toe to toe guy, you know, would take three to throw one, um, is, uh, Chris Murray. I was a big Chris Murray fan and, um, I was scrolling and what, uh, oh, the Cummins fight came up and I was just like, yeah, Murray. Well, Jim Cummins is another guy I could do this on too. Uh, and I will, but, uh, we'll start with Chris Murray. That'll be, that'll be today's player spotlight, but, uh, and then at the end of the program, I have, we were talking about, uh, kind of just embarrassing work stories and stuff like that. And I have, I have one to share with you guys. So I'll regale you. So I won't take long today. But as I said, at the start of the show, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. And of course, the season's starting up here. They're back in the full swing of things and, uh, away we go. And uh, not only is the network buzzing, but, oh, hockey Twitter is just electric already. And, uh, yeah, so we have that. And then, of course, got Alec over there at the Five for Fighting podcast. Uh, does a tremendous job. Uh, I know it's been a while since he's actually put something out. Kind of waiting. Um, I think I'm at, well, this is how hard times it is. I, th- I think I might actually be part of his next episode. So that's, you know, we're really hitting the skids now. But um, uh, he's doing a little special player ones. I'm not going to bring that up, but I'll, that's his show. But, um, you know, he is hopefully uh, can round things, get things in order, and Puddles the dog can calm down and get him recording again. But in the meantime, he does have a tremendous back catalog. Rob Ray, Bialois, Segroy, on and on. 
Definitely check it out. And while you're on YouTube, check out, do some footwork. Inside joke. Alec will know what I'm talking about. Um, check out the Five for Fighting YouTube channel. He has hundreds and hundreds of videos on there, from uh, mostly from the East Coast League from last year. And he has already started to upload some of the stuff, the early preseason stuff from this year. And uh, should be a strong league this year. Should be some uh, some entertaining tilts uh, in that league. So definitely give his channel when you're there. Hit the subscribe button. We're trying to get Alec to a thousand subscribers. He's almost there, and uh, it would be greatly appreciated if you could do that. It's just a little thing. Just move the mouse over. You know, or you're probably watching it on your phone. Move your finger over to the little subscription thing. Hit it, and you'll be you're in business. You know why not, right? And while you're there. On the YouTube, on the YouTubes, check out my channel, Fourth Line Voice. I have over twenty five hundred videos. I know it's actually, like I said, it's been dormant. That channel's been. I haven't done much with it for a couple months now, and I should really get back into the swing of things. I'd like to. Um, it's just finding time, really, to be honest. Um, but as the season gets going here, uh, not that I'm uploading anything new, but um, well, I should say basically as work slows down. I will have time and days off and especially early morning or late nights. I like to spin a few. So I got a, I got like bunch, ton of DVDs sitting here that I've never watched. They're just sitting here collecting dust. So I will throw them in and, and as I'm watching them for the first time, if something good crosses like a name or something rare or, you know, just a good tilt comes across the screen, I will make a clip of it and put it up on my YouTube channel. So I will get into that here in the fall and winter months. So, but in the meantime, I've, like I said, 2,500 videos, all, all the leagues are represented. So, uh, just go to the little search engine, AHL, NHL, blah, blah, blah. It's all there. Up it'll come. Believe me, you can go down that rabbit hole for hours. And, uh, if you could hit the subscribe button as well, I'd greatly appreciate it. And then, wow, one last podcast. Maybe they're hoping it is the last podcast. Joel Ozito, of course, at the uh, Knuckles Nordique Knuckles Nordiques podcast. What is it? What is it? Knuckle, Nordique Knuckles? Hold on, I got to hit pause here. Yes, Nordiques Knuckles podcast. Blah, blah, blah. Tripping on my tongue here. Sorry, Joe. Uh, nothing personal. It was Nordiques pod Knuckles Nordiques. I don't know, something like that. It's a Nordiques based podcast. So I know, uh, and it's an obviously, uh, I had Joe on a few episodes ago to talk about the show and, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the theme behind it and that type of thing. So, uh, when the first episode comes or his first interview comes out, I will obviously be throwing up the links on social media and I will let you know on here. So yes, we're, there we are folks. The plugs are out of the way. <clears throat> All right. Let's get into the circus, shall we? Um, like I said at the start, I have, uh, just, uh, before we get into the list and the spotlight and all that, um, I just have some general stuff I'm going to talk about. What do I always say on the Sunday episode? I'm not going to keep you here for long. And then, you know, we got a good hour here. Um, no, we'll see. Actually, I don't think I'm actually going to take very long today. Um, but yeah, you know what I did last night, folks? Not going to believe this. I actually watched a game last night. Um, I watched about almost two periods of a game. Then I went and picked up pizza and then went and ate and did all that and whatever. But, um, yeah, it was the, the Binghamton Black Bears versus the Elmira Mammoth in the Federal Prospect Hockey League. Of course, John Morasti suited up for Binghamton. And, uh, so I was kind of looking forward to that and I figured some fireworks might happen. 
And, um, well, <laughs> I will say some fireworks did happen. Marat, John actually drew a five minute fighting penalty. Um, I don't, I'd like to give you the details, but, uh, the, the internet, uh, camera did not film it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I, I guess he probably just stood there while the guy punched him, I guess, because John didn't get a penalty and the other guy got a five and a ten. So, um, yes. John Morasti drawing penalties. I, who would have thought? But uh, but I don't know what happened. If the guy started punching from behind or what. So I'm not going to, uh, like I said, no one saw it. So the camera work was the shit. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I watched, uh, I kind of sat here. We were kind of texting and I was, uh, I was kind of doing a bunch of different things. I was sorting some cards. I was kind of doing some different shit uh, sitting in front of my monitor here because uh, well, I guess I should say the Federal League games are uh, streamed uh, free on YouTube. So I had it open while that was going, and I was kind of just doing some shit in the, in the computer room here, office, if you will. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it, it was not good. It, it was it was really boring. And, and, in fact, the you know, the score actually ended up 10-1, and uh, there were no fights. There you go. So we have a federal hockey league game and it's 10-1 and nobody fights. Now I saw somebody online say, well, why didn't Morasti fight anybody? Well, he, his team won 10-1. Why would, he doesn't need to fight, you know, um, you know, and you know, whatever. I mean, in all honesty, that's a fucking pretty easy payday for John. Uh, you know, so good for him. Um, Again, I don't know what happened with him and the guy at the start of the game. Like I said, no one saw it. It was off camera. So I don't know. I'm really surprised. I'm not sure why John didn't fight. Because when was the last time Morasti ever turned down a fight? None, none that I ever remembered. So I don't know what happened. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, nobody on Elmira. Like I said, you're down 10 nothing. There's other guys on the team other than John. And, uh, you know, you just sort of take it and don't do anything. So... Um, and I noticed today they played again and it's four, I think it's four nothing for Binghamton again. And it's the end of the second period and there still hasn't been any fights. So I guess Elmira is just going to sit there and take it. I don't know. Like, I don't know any of the guys in the roster, so I don't know if they're, if they're just cut, you know, they don't have anyone tough or, you know, I know Morasti's not playing today, but, um, uh, yeah, so I don't know. But anyway, my first foray into watching, um, was not good. But, um, I will say when Danbury plays, I'm going to watch that. I'm going to try to be a little more, uh, invested because obviously I have, uh, I've had some of the guys on. Some of the Ice Wars guys are playing, you know, Travis Check, Amesbury, guys like that. Um, in the LNH, uh, JF LaFrance has been busy. He's been fighting. Shit, I think he's got three or four fights already. Um, so that was cool. Um, previous guest, Donnie Augustine, uh, when the fishing season's wrapped up there in New Brunswick, he will be in Laval, so I'll I'll definitely be paying attention to that. Uh, McMorrow's coming back to Laval. Um, I, I, Montcalm, whatever they're called, I don't know how to pronounce it. The new team in the league that signed Swanson, they have he hasn't played yet. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're waiting for. They played their home opener. They, you know, I asked them on Twitter. I'm like, you know, where's Swanson? And they're like, well, we still have to work things out. I'm like, what the fuck is there to work out? You sign him to a contract, bring him in. Like, especially for your home opener, seriously. So I don't know. And, um, 
You know, I, I really hope they didn't sign him and like just so no one else could have him kind of thing. Um, well, that would be a very LNH thing to do. That wouldn't surprise me either, but I hope that's not the case. Um, so who knows? I don't know what's going on there. Um, so, um, you know, uh, other than that, uh, we'll move away from that. What are the other things I've written down? Uh, oh, Reeves and Felino. Yeah, that was, of course, it's funny, every time Reeves fights, it seems to make, uh, make headlines on, on Twitter, it trends on Twitter, and everyone, you know, um, you know, I mean, not a bad, I guess Felino had thrown a hit early in the game on a guy, and Reeves fought him later, and, ah, uh, not a bad fight, I mean, I laugh at the one guy, old Chris there, comments, ah, oh, show me a clip where he lands a punch, like, you know, I always say, there's always a Chris, in, in, in every, in every thread, there's always a Chris, well, watch the fight. Clearly, Reeves lands a few. Now, was it Tasker Sen? No, but yeah, Reeves landed some punches. Like, stop being an idiot. Like, but there's always some goof, and then there's always some old time. Reeves would get killed in the seventies. Oh, okay, sure he would. Um, you know, or couldn't handle it in the eighties with Probert and the boys. Okay, sure. Yeah, he's, yeah, he, he's he's no fucking Tory Robertson or Brian Curran. Oh God, you know. But, uh, um, I, I don't understand. I mean, again, I, I guess it's just on, on this show. I guess I've just beat the dead horse. I've, I've said this a million times and I'll say it a million more. I don't understand the hate for Reeves. I don't. Um, or any of these guys that fight in the NHL. For all you NHL fanboys that I know people that listen to this show watch almost every fucking game in the NHL, which blows my mind because I don't know how you can. But, you watch it, and then on the on the message boards and the fight groups, all I see him is get shit on. So you'd shit, you you like to shit on like the eight guys that fight in the league, you know, instead of the other ninety seven percent of the pussies that like won't even go into a corner. But let's shit on the guys that do fight. Oh, that makes sense. Oh yeah, you know, always laugh at the start of the year. Oh, the season break, season preview. Let's list the fighters. Holy shit. Like, I mean, like I said, you talk about guys starving for fucking violence. You know, and who's the one kid there from, from Montreal out of the guy with the X in his last name? A- Amber something or whatever. Um, you know, it's a cool story. I mean, you know, he came, you know, kind of came up and made the, as an underdog, made Montreal and whatever. But I mean, you know, eight fights and three OHL seasons. It's like, oh, this is who we're hanging our hat on for the next, oh, the next Canadians enforcer. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. You know, hey, good on the kid. I'm glad he's in the league and maybe he'll fight a couple times right on. But, you know, this is, who, like I said, this is who we're hanging our hat on for to get excited about the the fighting in the NHL this year. Got guys with, you know, average that average three, that average three fights a year in junior these are our up and coming heavyweights. Oh, okay. Right on. Oh, just starving for anything. Unbelievable. Um, you know what was interesting? Funny. Somebody had put up something about Lucic. Did you know Ryan Reeves is older than Lucic? Yeah, Reeves is like 35 and, and Lucic is 34. That's, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but that just surprised me for some reason that. I actually didn't realize Ryan Reeves was 35 years old. Um, but obviously it took him a little while to get to the NHL, whereas Lucic, you know, was right at 18, was in the league. So, um, yeah. 
But I laugh, like I said, it, it, like Reeves is so polarizing. It's like for the younger generation, I mean, he's their prover, right? I mean, for lack of, you know, they're like, oh, he's the toughest guy and whatever, because that's who they grew up with, right? Um, for older guys, they just view him as some, you know, he's just a joke or a clown, you know, or whatever, and couldn't hang back in the day, you know, everything back in the day, you know, which I can, you know, I, I can see, um, there's a lot of things in terms of like back in the day that I do agree with. Like I've always said, well, they scored more, hit more, and fought more. So don't tell me today's hockey is better or more exciting, I guess I should do it. In terms of the athletes, are they better? Well, it's called evolution. They should be better. Of course they are. Um, but you can't, you wouldn't have today's athlete without yesterday's athlete, which is the thing that this generation doesn't understand. They don't understand that whole evolution thing. They just, that sucks. This is great and whatever. And they don't, they can't see that. They will when they're older, but right now when they're, when you're 17, they're just morons. And of course, morons just, although I don't know, as a society, we're just moronic. Doesn't matter what the age is these days, but social media has, has definitely give the, the young gener, well, cause I mean, social media, that's the, in terms of hockey, uh, like hockey Twitter, so to speak. Yeah, it's geared towards young people cause that's their future, uh, consumers right so that's who you're target you're targeting and that's and that's who takes up the majority of social media so that's the views that you're getting and um yeah it's just like some of it like some of it's eye rolling and whatever but i've just read oh the hockey beast that whatever website that is they're talking about reeves and uh Oh, they couldn't believe Felino dropped him against one of the craziest guys in the the craziest guy in the NHL. It's like Ryan Reeves is crazy now. Like, oh, all right, I, I guess so. Um, but I guess in 2022 he is. But they're like, oh, and everybody remembers that memorable war with Patty Maroon last year. I'm like, it's so memorable. I don't remember it at all. But okay, I don't know if any fight with Pat Maroon is memorable. But sure. Uh, so it was, it's just funny reading the perspective of, of different generations. Um, yeah. Again, folks, this is just little notes and things that I've jotted down as I've scrolled through Twitter and social media and stuff. And it, it really has no point or anything. I was just like something I'm going to mention. Um, you know, um, well, and like even, uh, it was last night or the night before. I don't know. We were flipping channels. Well, actually, it was, I think it was last night while we were sitting there eating pizza. Um, I was kind of, I had the ball game on and flipping back. And it was the night, the, it was the night the New York was playing Winnipeg, the Jets, whatever night that was, last night or the night before, whatever. Neither here nor there. But I'm flipping the channels really quick and I see it. And I, I left it on. I went into the room, the other room, grabbed some pizza, came back in and, they were, uh, Lowry, I think that's who the announcer was talking about. For, and they go, oh, don't be fooled. Just because these guys are the third line doesn't mean they're not skilled. This is the announcer. It's like, well, yeah, no shit. Like, what does that mean? Like, you just think the third line or fourth line isn't skilled? I mean, I guess idiots on hockey Twitter think that. But it's just like, well, oh, like, oh, don't think they're not skilled. Well, I, who's thinking they're not skilled? And then uh, that's what I was said out loud. I said, who thinks they're not skilled? And then, you know, and then I'm like, oh, well, yeah, hockey Twitter, you know, he can't skate, you know, whatever, that idiocy. But yeah, it's just like, well, this goes back to what I was talking about the other day when I said it was about fighting, where I said, it's amazing how uh, announcers shape people's ideas of fights. 
it's like subliminally they like get in there and it's and I have it for years. Believe me, I've, I've read social media because I, I kind of like studying that shit. Um, I'll get into that some other time, but I've noticed for years that yeah, people will often like they either quote what the announcer said or they're completely swayed by a Homer announcing and or, or just you know it, it's like just are you not like I like to think I come up with my judgments using my eyes. I'm not listening to the announcer. I mean, if he's in the background noise or whatever, but I'm staring right at the screen watching that fight. I don't, I don't really care what the announcer's saying. I can see it, so I can form my own opinion. But I'm amazed at the numbers that that don't. Um, but anyway, to go to this Jets thing, it's like, yeah, they're sitting there thinking, and these are the same pinheads that get on social media. And they're like, oh, our fourth line needs to get more skill and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's like that's exactly who these guys are talking to. But it was such a moronic statement. It's just on the surface of it. Just the statement itself. You just sound so stupid. Oh, don't think they're not skilled because they are. Like Arguing with myself, but it's, I guess, yeah, you do have to say it. Because, yeah, there's idiots that think they're not. So, I don't know. Yeah, folks, like I said, this is just, you hear it, my sticky notes, I just have bullet points, they have no, this has no, wherever, this isn't really going anywhere. The last couple things I will, I will just get off my chest really quickly. One, you fucking clowns, stop proposing at sporting events, you look like fucking idiots. You see that clown the other night, takes his shirt off and gets down on one knee, was that some hockey game, the Islander game, I think, of course she said no and left, it's like... Okay, I mean, and then somebody goes, oh, well, it, you do know that's fake. Okay, so, so we'll go with that. Say it is fake. Why? So you want to look like a, like, again, explain this to me. If it's fake, you want to look like a fucking loser on social media? Like, it was everywhere. Like, it's been seen probably hundreds and th- hundreds of thousands, if not a million times, the video clip. It's all over the internet. So if it's fake, you want to look like some, so when you come to work, hey, Bill, well, I saw you on social media. <laughs> like, why? Like, are you that, like, I know people are starved for attention. I know that. We're so pathetic as a society. Um, but, okay, if it's fake, you're a fucking idiot, because that's just stupid. And if it's real, well, you're a fucking idiot, because that's just embarrassing. And don't do that. Take it from a guy who's been married for 17 years. Um, don't, don't do that. I always laugh, like, even when, when people, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like, just in general, people propose, they're like, I hope she says yes. It's like, really? Well, how long have you known her for? Like, three weeks? What do you mean? You hope she says yes. I'm assuming if you're asking someone out to, or if you're asking someone to marry you, you've gone out with them for years. At least a couple years, I would hope you would. Um, you know, um, my other my other tip would be to live with them first. That's just me, though. Um, but you don't really know anybody until you live with them. But um, I, I'm assuming you you would be dating someone for a few years before you ask them out. At that point, would you not be fairly certain? Like, 
she'll say yes. Like I, I, I don't. This is just moronic. I have no idea. Oh, I can't believe she said. Really, you didn't think so? Like I don't know. Is she trying to break up with you? So to remedy, remedy it, remedy it. You decide to ask her to marry. Is that the game plan? Like I don't know. Um. Second thing to stop doing: stop bragging about being banned on Facebook. That you're you're not the fucking. That it, it, trust me, that as the kids say, that's not the flex that you think it is. They're Johnny badass. Yeah, you posted up some racy racy meme and got you in. Oh, I'm in Facebook jail. Okay, well, okay, cool guy. Whatever you say. I don't know. If you're getting put in Facebook jail, like. I don't know. I think you should maybe reevaluate a few things. I'll just put it this. You're not going to change anyone's mind. And last but not least, uh, these Facebook groups called bash boards. Um, I, I'm on a couple because I want to, obviously I had a couple guests on from like the East Coast League or the Federal League. So I wanted to like air quote advertise my podcast on these boards, but I was just scrolling it. And there's a couple members on there that are just, you're fucking clowns. Like, Grown, like I said, grown adults talking shit. Like, uh, Jason, if you're listening, it's embarrassing. Like, I know you race home because you're going to be the cool guy on the on the East Coast League bash board. Yes. So that's, uh, there, there's some potpourri, uh, useless news and notes. Um, this is probably where I should edit in my sponsorship is probably where I should do it. And now, a message from our sponsors. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for a season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Is Colorado going to repeat? Is Toronto Maple Leafs, is this going to be finally be the year? I see Carolina's up there in the Stanley Cup Futures bets as well. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Did I do it? Did I come back from it? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I need to, because I, I have to edit in the DraftKings stuff. By the way, if you are betting uh, DraftKings, I, I know we got we to gotta do the sponsors. I know people, I fast forward that. Well, you know, I get it, I get it. But I have to throw it in. They're our main sponsor. And like I said, I know with hockey coming, a lot of you guys have bet on hockey. If you're betting on NFL football, um, I know everyone has their own sports book and where you bet and everything else. I know when you watch TV, the 365 and bet MGM and everything, it's nauseating at this point. I get it. But, uh, if you are looking for, they got great sign up offers and, uh, it really does help. It helps the network out. They're our main sponsor. And if you THPN, the promo code, um, it would actually, it would be great if you did that because, uh, that's how that's how we get paid. Although after the after the uh, twenty eight minutes into this uh, episode, uh, there, there's probably been, uh, I don't know. Do we really want this guy getting paid to do this? You you might be all you might be on to something. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, folks. That's not a real. That's not a real strong start, is it? Okay. Now we're stopping and starting. Stopping and starting. Okay. Where was I? Um, oh yeah. How shitty this show has been so far. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, well, maybe this will pick it up here. Let's get to this list. The five biggest villains in Montreal Canadiens history. Let's see what this is all about. Uh, as I always say with these lists, um, I have I have a couple cats uh, that always send me the links. And um, yeah, they all oh, got to do this one, got to do that one. And um, I'm going to apologize right now. Um, I have done so many of these. Um, I forget what teams I've done and everything else. I kind of went briefly back. I, I shouldn't say I scrolled uh, Apple today. I scrolled the fourth line Apple site and kind of just like was reading the description. Um, I'm like that, I'm like, okay, oh, Sabres, Bruins, Flyers. I'm like, okay, these are the ones I've done, whatever. Because like I said, after I'm done, I just like erase the link, right? So I'm like, I should, probably should have like done a show log. But could have, should have, would have. Um, so if I've, for any, because I guess if you're a new listener, you wouldn't know. It's new to you. Uh, for any long-term listeners, if I have done an, if I've done the list before, I apologize. Um I don't think so, though. I don't remember saying the top five Montreal villains. I don't remember that part. So, anyway, and I haven't, and I haven't, I don't, holy, spit it out. I have not looked at the list, so I wanted to discover this with you guys as we're doing this. So my reaction that you get is genuine. Um, so I I have no idea. I guess I'll know once I start doing it if I, it maybe it'll all remember. But I mean, with the way my memory is these days, I can't remember what I had for friggin' supper two days ago so um but let's get into this shall we uh here we go the five biggest villains in montreal canadians history by bleacher report articles by brandon dubrell in august 2013 so it's a little old um geez almost a decade old um but um Let's see. Montreal Canadiens have never been known as one of the tougher teams in the NHL. Instead, they have a storied history based around skilled players and the championships they brought to the city. Among these stars, however, there has also been some villainous characters, ranging from dirty players everyone hated to play against to brute enforcers, who are some of the toughest in hockey history. Here are the five biggest villains in Canadiens history. All right. Honorable mentions. Mike Ribeiro had a rough go in Montreal, even though he was born in the... On the island, he had a hard time getting his hometown crowd to like him. His inconsistent play and lack of defense uh, enraged fans. There was the fake injury in 04, which made the entire hockey world hate him. Rivero went down and twisted in pain and an innocent-looking hit from Mike Canubal. A short time later, Rivero had seemed smiling and even taunting the Bruins bench. No one likes a diver. No, no one does. Oh, honorable. Okay, that was the one mentioned. All right. Um... Okay, number five, ah, P.K. Subban. Uh, Norris Trophy wasn't the only award Subban received in 2013. He was also honored as being the most hated player in the NHL, at least according to Sports Illustrated. Loved by Montreal fans for his physical play and offensive talents, Subban uh, does not receive the same warmth from opposing players or fans. Since becoming a mainstay on the half blue line three seasons ago, the Toronto native has quickly built up a reputation as one of the most villainous players in the league. Was it? Oh yeah, right. This article. I'm like reading this. Like he just retired. It's 2013. The article. Okay. Ugh. Yeah. Like I said, memory. Um, Subban, for his part, makes it easy for opponents to hate him. He scores big goals and celebrates in your face. He throws big hits and then turns down a fight. Runs his mouth. Even some would even say he dives. Brad Marchand of the Bruins uh, told the reporter why Subban is already notorious around the NHL. 
Uh, a big reason people either love him or hate him is he's a great player and he aggravates people. But there's a lot that comes with his game. He's very vocal. He does a lot of extracurricular things that people may not like. It gets under the skin of some people. Uh, when teams play Montreal, guys focus on PK and want to run at him. He brings a lot of attention to himself, draws a lot of penalties because of that. Uh, Subban's NHL career is still in its infancy, yet he's already regarded as one of the most disliked players in the league at 24. Subban has plenty of time to add to his infamy and climb the list at the top of the villains of Montreal history. Oh, if they only know him. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there you go. I know, uh, I know the article that he's talking about. Uh, later on, he's, I, I know he won that award a few times in the hockey news when he won it too. Also won most overrated player too. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I mean, as I said, he just retired this year. Um, yeah, great player. Well, was he? I mean, I don't know. I, I guess, well, that's probably my, that's, I shouldn't say that. That's probably my bias coming out. I've never liked Subban. I always thought he was a goof. Um, as I've said on this show numerous times, I have talked to different players at different times and without prompting, uh, when his name comes up, comes up, uh, they don't like him. They say nobody likes him. Um, hated in his own dressing room. Um, I always said, actually, if Nashville hadn't made that trade and had kept Weber, they probably would have won the cup that year. Um, because Subban was awful in the final and, um, and I will say to this day, if any anybody who thinks Subban is better than Weber, you get rocks in your head. But that's just me. Um, but both are done now, so it doesn't whatever. Um, but yeah, Subban. I mean, I've I've heard Biz and them talk after on well, Spit and Chiglets. I saw the clip where they were talking. Oh, Subban for sure in the Hall of Fame. It's like really. I might again. I haven't. I don't watch hockey anymore. Uh, like to to make any sort of. Statement on that. I mean, I did see, for some reason, I did see a bunch of the national playoffs for some reason. But, um, yeah, um, that, I, I guess if it's the hall of really good, I guess. Um, I know everybody likes to throw out the fact that he won a Norris. That's voted on by the media. I'm like, well, the same time, the year that he won the Norris, I, mean, I don't even think he made Team Canada's Olympic team. And if he did, he was like an alternate. There's your Norris Trophy winner. Alright. I think most Norris Trophy winners would start, wouldn't they? Interesting enough, wasn't Weber the captain? Just saying. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, I don't... I, I, Again, I don't watch enough. I wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame, but I'm sure they probably will. And I'm sure he'll be on TV. I'm sure he'll have a Sportsnet gig or ESPN or somebody will hire him because he's a big mouth and loves the spotlight. And I'm sure he'll talk about how many charities he's given to. I know he's even managed to do that in his retirement speech. So, um, you know, whatever. He's definitely a villain because I can't stand him. But uh, And he couldn't fight for shit, that's for sure. Uh... All right, number four, well, Claude Lemieux. Oh, there you go. Offensive talent player with a knack of being a playoff performer. Claude Lemieux famously remembers the past two opponents to test until the day he retired. Um, Lemieux makes enemies as early as the 86 playoffs where he was accused of scratching Jim Poblinski's eyes and biting the fingers to the bone. Uh, things escalated in 87 playoffs where Lemieux had a habit of firing pucks into the opponent's net to end the warm-up session. The Flyers were not keen about it, warned Lemieux about doing it against them. Lemieux, of course, had other plans and ensued was what ensued is best summed up by legendary Montreal Gazette writer Red Fisher. Clown. 
Um, at Ospedar and teammate Chico Rest tried to prevent Lemieux from shooting the puck. When they finally abandoned the net, the Habs Shane Corson shot the puck. The Flyers Chico Rest pursued Lemieux, triggering the brawl. Um, yeah, brawl lasted 10 minutes and involved dozens of players who all rushed back onto the ice as they were no, no rules at the time covering a pregame incident. No penalties were assessed and the game began as usual. Yeah, that's actually the funny thing about that. You have a full scale brawl. You got, you know, you got Brown and Nyland and them fighting in their underwear and all these guys. And, oh uh, yeah, everybody just plays that night. It's just like, could you imagine if that happened now? Oh my God. Yeah, they'd have counselors or people and people would be grief stricken and all. Oh, there'd be guys getting charges and, oh yeah. Uh, let me went on to, one of the chief shots, countless opponents, just asked Chris Draper over his NHL career with five other NHL teams, but did enough to Montreal to earn him a spot on the Canadians' top five list. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't argue with, well, you can't argue with either of these guys so far with this villains list. I've kind of thought it would, well, I guess at the start it did say pests and enforcers. Um, I will say with Lemieux, and he often doesn't get credit enough for it, he actually doesn't fight that bad. No, I'm not saying he's a great fighter, but, like, I mean, even in the brawl with, like, when he decided to fight McCarty and he had to fight with Kimball and stuff, and, I mean, he will hang in there and, like, I mean, he'll do everything to avoid it, but the few times Lemieux has fought, I mean, eh, I mean, I've seen worse fighters, I'll put it that way, but, uh, yeah, he is definitely an asshole, and, uh, but, yeah, in the playoffs, man, dude was clutch, without a doubt. Number three, Maurice the Rocket Richard. Richard, best known for being one of the greatest goal scorers in NHL history, but the Rocket had a mean streak as well. Um, Richard's offense accolades have been well documented, but lesser known status the fact that he finished with 1,200 penalty minutes. That ranks him fourth all time on the Canadians behind Nyland, Odeline, and Corson. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Huh. While most NHL teams employed enforcers to protect their superstars in the 50s and 60s, the Montreal chose not to roster one. They did not need one. Richard was happy to stand up for himself. There are countless stories of Richard's legacy as a hothead. By the time he broke his own teammate's nose with a headbutt while celebrating a goal. Well, I'm sure that's just by accident. But Or the time he knocked out a fan who questioned his injury while he was watching the game in street clothes. That's pretty funny. Um, or at the time his, his temper led to a city-wide riot. Yes, of course, the Richard riot began uh, after Clarence Campbell suspended the rocket because of his uh, going crazy episode against the Boston Bruins uh, in 1955. Uh, Hal Laco. Uh, caught Richard above the eye with a high stick and was penalized. Richard, however, didn't feel a couple of minutes of the penalty box was due justice, so he chased down Laco using his stick as a weapon and beat on the Bruins defender. Uh, Richard was relentless in his attack and repeatedly went after the Bruins player after being pulled off. The linesman was finally able to pin Richard to the ice, but Richard was not finished. As he was released, the rocket was still hot and wanted to hit whoever, whatever he could. Unfortunately, the closest person to him was lineman Cliff Thompson. Linesman Cliff Thompson. Richard assaulted the official with his fist twi- twice be- before anyone could restrain him. The incident led to Richard being suspended for the remainder of the regular season and playoffs, of course, which triggered the Richard riot. Uh, yeah. Um, that's pretty wild. Um, if you ever, yeah, go read that riot story, man. Montreal, man, the, the stores and looting and fires and, and, and it's 1955. Um, yeah, I know Richard, uh, he was, I know he was one of Gordy Howe's fights because I have the picture of it. Um, well, like Howe's kind of on top of him hitting him, but so I don't know how much of an air quote fight it was, but yeah, his, uh, the history of his, uh, definitely hothead. And like you said, they weren't afraid to swing sticks back then. That's for sure. Uh, number two, 
Oh, John Ferguson. Well, there we go. After winning five straight cups from 56 to 60, the Canadians were held trophyless for the next four seasons. Their lineup was missing some toughness. So Ferguson provided the answer. Did not take Ferguson long to show the NHL why Montreal signed him. 12 seconds into his first shift, Fergie dropped the gloves and was credited for his first career fighting major in the NHL. Habs won five cups in eight seasons with Ferguson serving as the enforcer. He provided an invaluable asset, giving goal scorers room to maneuver while chipping in offensively as well. In addition to his 1,200 penalty minutes and 500 games of Montreal, Ferguson added 145 goals. While opponents were happy to see Fergie retire after eight seasons, others wonder why. According to Ferguson, he was simply looking out for the safety of everyone else in the league. I was beginning to worry about doing some serious damage to someone, Ferguson said, to Brian McFar- in Brian McFarlane's book, The Habs. It's pretty funny. Um, that is actually a relatively short career, though, for Ferguson with eight seasons. Um, it's interesting why he would retire probably, yes. Yeah, I know. with five cups in eight seasons, um, you know, I'm sure he's simply looking out for the safety of everyone else. I'm sure it was probably injuries or whatever, but, uh, yeah, he, uh, as I said, in the fight community, he's often credited as being kind of the original enforcer. Um, but obviously, as I said, solid player as well, but, uh, yeah, he was sort of the first guy that was brought in for that designated role. And, uh, there was always, there was tough guys before, you know, as I had Steve on the show, uh, back a while ago, who, and we did that deep dive into like the early 1900s NHL. I should go back and check that, uh, that episode out. I can't, I'm not sure which, it's with Steve anyway. The last episode I had Steve on. Um, and we talk about like Sprague Cleghorn and Red Horner and, and guys like that. And, um, it was a really interesting look for the, the history of enforcing and for fighting in hockey. Um, it, that was a it was a really enjoyable episode and a real big um, a, a real big uh, uh, learning episode for myself because I mean I had heard some of the names but I didn't know like some of the uh, incidents and, and guys that uh, Steve was talking about were just um, like I'd never heard of so. Um, you know, Blackjack Stewart and those guys. So um, definitely an episode I would highly recommend going back in the back catalog and listening to if you're really interested in the history of fighting in hockey. Because um, this, this shit's been going on a long time, folks. So uh, believe me, it didn't just start with Tom Wilson, as uh, the, the the 17-year-old will tell you. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. But John Ferguson was definitely a pioneer in terms of enforcing. Um, so here we go. Number one, the num- I'm assuming everyone knows who this is. I'm, uh, yeah, the number one villain, of course, Chris Nyland. Um, there are a few, a few signs. Here are a few signs that you're the biggest villain in the history of the Montreal Canadiens. You have almost a thousand more penalty minutes than anyone in the hundred year history of the organization. You own the NHL record for most penalties taken in one game with 10. You own the NHL record for average penalty minutes per game, 4.42. And your nickname is Knuckles. Um, Chris Nyland is undoubtedly the biggest villain in Montreal history. He suited up for the Habs from 79 to 88 and then again for the 91-92 season. Um, Nyland was tasked with protecting the scorers of the 80s. His presence and reputation is one of the best fighters in the league. Opened up more space for the skilled Habs to operate. Over the course of his career, he would play 523 games as a Canadian in a massive Habs record, 2,248 minutes. Um, fighting was easy. It was second nature to me. Now playing hockey, that was the hard part, Chris Nyland told ESPN. Nyland was one of the toughest players of his generation. He was hated by opposing fans alike. He is well-deserving the top spot of this list as the biggest villain in Montreal Canadiens history. Well, there you have it, folks. The top five uh, villains in Habs history. And uh, yeah, I mean, actually, honestly, can't uh, can't argue with that list, to be completely honest. Um Chris Nyland, I've always said with Nyland, um, growing up, I was never a Nyland fan. Um, 
I didn't like despise him or anything, but I was just sort of, I guess I was sort of indifferent on him. Um, I remember getting like the fight tapes, the old eighties mixtapes and watching it and I'm like, oh, this guy's boring, whatever, right? Because they went, because he wasn't Probert or Ruby or something, right? And I was just like, he always like, you know, he'd get in there with his chin and throw up the uppercuts underneath. And, you know, if anybody, you guys know on Nylon fights. Um, it was only after um, his the, the documentary of him came out, The Last Gladiators, um, I really warmed up to Nylon and I saw him with, like I said, uh, old eyes, uh, you know, um, I, I have a little more perspective now and I went back and, and really revisited a lot of his fights and, um, uh, yeah, man, he was, he was, uh, I don't think I ever denied that he knew the role of the enforcer and he definitely stuck up, stuck up for his teammates and he did a great job in that sense. It wasn't, I wasn't saying, I never said he was lousy at that or anything. I just, I don't, I guess I just found him as a boring fighter, so to speak. And, uh, so I was always just sort of indifferent about him. Um, but after going back again, like, you know, was he Rocky Thompson? Well, no, but, um, he knew his role, did it well, uh, did it really well. Um, really just the, the documentary definitely shined a different light on him. I, I saw him in a different light and, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I saw Nyland completely different after watching that. Okay. That is it for that list. Um, player spotlight, Chris Murray. Ah, yes. Let's, as I said, I'm a big fan of Murray's. Um, yeah. Now again, the uh, the fights I'm going to talk about are uh, they're all on YouTube. So definitely uh, check them out. Or as you're listening, hit up YouTube, follow along. Because um, yeah, I think uh, if you have never bothered to go down that Chris Murray rabbit hole, you will be. Um, Really, um, you'll you'll dig what you find. Believe me, but uh, yeah, he's six two, about two fifteen, two twenty. I uh, was drafted in the third round, fifty uh, fourth overall by Montreal in the ninety four draft. Uh, played in camp, played three years in Kamloops in the Western League. Uh, won a couple Memorial Cups with those dynasty teams with uh, Gidlin, Strudwig, and Tucker, and Nash, and like they were probably the best junior teams ever assembled or one of anyway for sure. Um, yeah, unfortunately, back in the mid-90s, late-90s, not a lot of Western Hockey League footage. And Kamloops, especially, was literally like the black hole for footage. Like, I know they're, from talking to people, I know the team itself is really was really tough to get any footage out of. They always held on to that stuff, which, you know, it's too bad. Um, I have, some of his fights are from Junior are on my channel. Um, his Definitely his most famous fight, which of course was on TSN, during the Memorial Cup, um, and one of the better fights you'll see was against old Stone Cold Steve McLaren. And of course, everybody knows who that cat is for sure. Um, well, he was playing for North Bay at the time, and uh, it was the Memorial Cup, and the those two beat the shit out of each other. And uh, Murray had a really big Memorial Cup that year. He had a couple fights. He had a really good fight with Sylvan Bluan, um, and also with Jeff Mercer. Um, so he had, he had three real cracking fights in that, in that Memorial Cup tournament and, uh, and they're all available on YouTube. And, uh, that was sort of my, cause Murray played in the different divisions. So even in the Western league, we never really saw him like, uh, and like I said, there was no internet or anything back then. So my, I, I just knew he was Kamloops' tough guy. And, uh, and he had a, and I saw in the news, he had a really good fight with Belak in the playoffs. So we saw, I saw that fight. That's on my channel. Um, 
you know, but it was like, oh, who's this Chris Murray? And I mean, I've eventually, I've, I have this fight with Brendan Witt in Seattle. He had a couple fights in Seattle and in Portland. So you'd see those. But other than that, um, he had, uh, unfortunately, he had 79 fights in three Western Hockey League seasons. You know, they have eight fights in three seasons now and they're called heavyweights. And he had 79 fights in three seasons and then four more in the, in the, the Memorial Cup. Um, there's also a really good clip of him actually against Portland, and I believe it's Mike Williamson, and they end up going at it in the penalty box. Murray charges at him in the penalty box, so that's that's on YouTube as well. So definitely check type in Chris Murray penalty box. Um, yeah, he you know he turned pro ninety four ninety five. He's with Fredericton of uh, the American League, fifty five games. Uh, he had twelve tilts um, in ninety five ninety six. Uh, again with the American League. 30 games played, 30, 30, you know, 30 games played, 13 goals, 13 assists, 217 minutes, and he had uh, 14 fights, and he was actually leading the American Hockey League in penalty minutes at the time when Montreal called him up. But, um, yeah, a couple fights that I recommend you check out um, from his American League time. One is against Ryan Vand, like, isn't every fight with Ryan Vandenbush great? Um yeah, like I said, he's a rookie, and Vandenbush is with St. John, so he's pretty much, he's gotta be pretty much a rookie too. It's 94-95, it's in, uh, Fredericton, and again, all the, all the fights I'm gonna mention are on YouTube. But yeah, definitely toe-to-toe war, as, as, as Vandy always does, right? And, uh, great fight, Vandenbush, Murray, definitely check that out. Um, he also, and he, he also has a, a great fight against another St. John guy, Frank Bialois, as everybody knows. Um, I'm going to get out my Fredericton stuff. I'm pretty sure I have that fight in a much cleaner. The fight's on YouTube, but the quality's awful. Um, I think I have a better version of it. If, uh, actually tonight, maybe I will do that. I will look that up and try to upload that. But, uh, yeah. And then the 95, 96, again, starts the year in, in Fredericton. Um, has a bunch of fights early on. Uh, Hawking, uh, Darcy Simon, Curran. Uh, and then boom, up he gets the call up and his first NHL fight is December 18th against Adam Burt. Uh, it's not much of a tilt, but then he fights Ciccone. Uh, he had, actually that year he ends up fighting Dennis Fiel, who's playing for Ottawa at the time. He fights him three times that year and they're all really good tilts. Um, another fight against Sean Antosky. Um, a great, great fight with Todd Harvey. There's another guy, Todd Harvey, really underrated scrapper, not a big guy. First round pick, um, who had awesome, he had awesome fights. Harvey has a really great fight with Terry Ryan as well. Um, well, he had a bunch of great fights, but I remember the Terry Ryan one I just saw recently too. Um, but yeah, Murray has a great fight with Harvey. Um, a really good fight with Kelly Chase. Um, another, uh, another, uh, another one to look up, the fight with Dodie Wood, uh, in San Jose. That's another, that fight's awesome. Um, and the thing you'll find with Murray as, as you go along and watch, um, I know how fight fans are and all, oh, it's six punches to three. He lost, you know, whatever. Um, if that's how you're going to score fights, you know, I'm sure like Chris Murray has, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm looking at his drop your, the old drop your gloves. Um, I know in his NHL career, they got him, uh, his career record 18, 25 and 18 for a winning percentage of 48%. So of course, as soon as you look at that, you're like, oh, this guy's a punching bag. And it's like, um, if you, it, I mean, it's styles make fights, right? And, um, you know, does he get out punched? Yeah, you know, whatever. But he doesn't go down. He just kind of takes the shots. He'll throw, he'll, you know, he p- tries to find his openings. And I mean, for me, I'm just, 
you know, I always say he's one of those guys I always call like video fighters. It's like him and Jim Cummins and Wood and Jeff Rogers and guys like that. You know, I mean, it, if you want to do win lossing, yeah, you know, yeah, they probably did lose more than they won. But I mean, in on these fights I'm listing, it's not like he's just getting destroyed, not landing anything and swung around and pummeled, you know, like, no, it's nothing like that. I mean, he stands there and takes it, takes a few to throw one and it's just his style of fighting. Um, which as a fan, like another fight, he has a good one with Joey Koser, um, in his rookie year when Koser's with the Rangers. That's a good fight. Um, again, does Koser put the hammer on him? No, you know, I mean, they both hit each other a couple of good times and I mean, it's a good fight. Um, He's just one of those guys. He's just exciting to watch. Again, I'm sure probably the mo- most of you listening to this um, have obviously seen Chris Murray fights. Um, for those that, like I said, for those that haven't, definitely I'm uh, go to, I'm go down the rabbit hole. Um, you know, uh, 96, 97 uh, again with Montreal. Great fight with the Jeff Rogers. Just a toe to toe battle in the preseason. Um, a, a couple great fights with Jim Cummins. Um, one of them, he catches Cummins, puts him down, a little TKO. Then, of course, Cummins, they have the rematch, um, which is in Montreal that I think everybody remembers that one. It's a real good toe-to-toe one right in front of the in the in front of the Chicago bench. And, like, Prover kind of gets all wound up about it and kind of he's leaning over the bench yelling at him and shit. Um, that one, that's a really great fight. Um, has a really strong fight with Stu Grimson. Stu really is Stu's in Hartford at the time. Really, Stu u- really uses his length in that one. But, uh, yeah, he kind of busts him up, but Murray's right there with him. Um, and then a really great fight with Rob Ray. Uh, they just put their heads down and just swing. And, uh, you know, he, he's cut up and stuff, but that's a great fight too with Ray. And it's just toe to toe. And like I said, just check these fights out. I'm serious, folks. You'll, you'll dig him. He's, uh, he's a lot of fun. Um, then, you know, 97, 98, um, actually Montreal trades him in the offseason and he signs with Carolina. And uh, he's he's with Carolina briefly until November, and then they trade him to Ottawa. But um, actually, his first regular season fight with Carolina, he drops Scott Walker in in Vancouver, um, and you know Walker kind of gets helped off. And then uh, later in the game, Brashear seeks some revenge, and Brashear puts it to him pretty good. Um, then he has a really good a fight with Heward, um, Baumgartner, uh, Mick Fakoda. The the interesting fight with Fakota, as soon as I say Fakota, Fakota at this time is with Montreal. And um yeah, they they kinda it's it's a kind of a, a quick toe to toe little Fakota doesn't do the body slam or anything. I always say with Fakota, which is really wild. He did the body slam all that time at Junior and the Islanders and all that stuff. Then as as he gets older at the end of his career in Montreal and in minors in Utah, he's like a toe to toe guy. Seriously, go look up Fakota stuff. It's really wild. Um, but yeah, they go a little quick toe to toe. Um, Chris McAllister, McAllister uses his length too, but Murray gets in there. Um, another really good fight with Mark Jansons, um, who was playing with the Islanders at the time. That's uh, right along the boards. That's a good one. Um, Mark Jansons, there's another guy really kind of, uh, seldom talked about underrated, you know, it was kind of one of those fourth line centers that, you know, didn't do a, a ton of fighting, but, um, was I? I was a huge Mark Jansen's fan. He was great, and uh, just toe to toe, and uh, yeah, he was fun. And then, um, kind of ninety eight, ninety nine is kind of his last kind of real full season. He's in Ottawa, and then he he kind of ends the year in Chicago. Um, you know, has a has a really good fight with Dennis Bonvi. Um, 
him and Brendan Witt revived the old Western Hockey League rivalry. They go toe-to-toe. Witt kind of catches him at the end, and he goes down. I don't think it was a big TKO or knockout or anything because Murray gets back up, but it definitely uh, looked good for Witt looks strong in it. Um, and then he ends basically ends his career um, kind of uh, uh, catching Brian McCabe. And then um, after that, uh, he signs with Dallas as a free agent, um, and then he's in the IHL. He gets hurt in Dallas, uh, comes back late in March, and he's in the IHL um, with uh, Michigan K-Wings. Um, unfortunately, those fights aren't around. Um, and then uh, his final season is 2000-2001. He, uh, he starts the year in St. Louis. Unfortunately, uh, he gets sent down to Wooster, and uh, he ends up getting a real serious uh, wrist injury, which ended his career, unfortunately. And... Uh, yeah, only 27 years old, and um, he just couldn't come back. He tried to come back that next year. He tried, uh, apparently, as um, I just, again, this is going by Wikipedia. I read that part. Um, he tried to come back with the Leafs, actually. He was in Leaf training camp in 2001. How, if that's, I don't know why they would put that on. I don't know who's lying on Chris Murray's Wikipedia page, but apparently he was in Leaf camp, but uh, just couldn't make a go of it with the wrists. So, unfortunately, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's how we... Uh, ended his career and uh i'm just kind of hitting the stats here for his final totals but um yeah in the nhl uh 242 games uh 55 fights um and then overall like i said 500 including junior the minors nhl total of 536 games 166 career fights so um yeah like i said in junior uh, 20 fights 25 fights 34 fights 34 fights in 59 games. Had 30 points, too. Um, yeah. So Chris Murray from Port Hardy, BC. He's 40 years old. Born in, uh, or no, he's older than that. He's, oh, he's one year, 40 years old. I keep forgetting it's drop your gloves in the Wayback Machine. So at the time when this was saved, um, he's actually a year older than I am. He's 48 years old. And he is now a Kamloops firefighter, uh, which he has been doing since, uh, he retired. And he, and he does apparently a lot of, uh, work in kids of minor hockey in the Kamloops area. So, and I think he was an assistant coach with Kamloops Blazers. I think he might still be. I think, I know he was doing stuff with the Blazers too, as well. I believe he was the assistant coach for a while. Um, so yeah, guys, there you go. That's kind of a, uh, the player spotlight is Chris Murray. Again, uh, definitely encourage you to, uh, go look up those fights, especially the Audrey's and the Ray ones and the VL. Cause, uh, well, just mentioning those guys' names, all those guys, VL and Audrey's and Ray. I mean, yeah, that's just toe-to-toe, toe-to-toe goodness right there. So, um, yeah, definitely, uh, I encourage anyone to check that out. But, uh, other than that, there we go. We got a list. We got a player spotlight, uh, some, uh, some musings and we got an hour. So there we go. Um, oh yes, I was going to tell you my, well, I'll, I'll save that story. Oh, I'll tell it. What the hell? We were sitting around talking about embarrassing work stories. It, was, it wasn't embarrassing for me, but it was, well, I guess, uh, kind of. Um, at the time, way back when, late 90s. Yeah, it had to be late 90s. Yeah. Um, I was working at a car rental company. And uh, I was I actually uh, worked out of the main office. But, of course, we had uh, a booth set up at the, uh, at the airport, like all the companies do. And uh, we used to run cars out there. And uh, 
I'd go from the office every once in a while. If I'd take cars out, I'd take cars out. I started washing cars at the beginning, and then I was like, worked, and then I was the office guy, and then I became an accounts manager or supervisor guy, and blah, blah, blah. I kind of, I worked, I don't know how long I worked there for, three or four years, anyway. <clears throat> anyway, that has nothing to do with the story, but, um, yes. So anyway, we used to run cars out there. When it got busy, we'd, we'd, uh, head out and drop the keys off at the counter. Of course, you had to walk by all the other counters that were their budget and natives and blah, blah, blah. And as I said, after over the years and stuff and the different, uh, guys and girls that would work the airport counter, the other, uh, car cleaners and drivers and stuff, you just get to know them, right? And you'd see them, hey, how's it going today? Blah, 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 you know, whatever. And, um, anyway, our car cleaner at the time, uh, Dave was his name. Was like, oh yeah, you guys, we should go to the strip club tonight. And we're like, hey, you know, whatever. And I will say to this, actually to this day, as of I'm recording this, Saskatoon, and we don't have a strip club here anymore. Saskatchewan actually doesn't, you're not allowed to have strippers and alcohol in Saskatchewan. That's how lame this province is. But, uh, anyway, yeah, so no strip clubs here. So if you're looking for rippers, don't come to Saskatchewan. Uh, but, uh, at the time, uh, it was called Showgirls and it was owned by the Hells Angels. And, uh, they opened it up and they were fighting the law. Of course, they had the money to go through the courts and drag the court case on because it was open for a few years. And, uh, cause they could, ju- they had just had the money to sustain the, 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 ju- you know, the judgment and hold it off, right? And however the legal term of it is. But anyway, so, uh, on uh, whatever night it was, it was during the week. I think it was a Wednesday. It was, they, they'd have amateur night. Oh, okay. So, and it started at six o'clock. So, and we, of course, we got off at like 5.30 or whatever. So, uh, he's like, yeah, let's, let's, so me, by the manager, Dave, and, uh, the other cleaner, uh, the four of us, we roll over to amateur night. And Dave was basically a regular at this. I will be serious here. And honestly, I was not a regular at the strip club. We did go a few times. Um, cause I think it was open till like 4 a.m. So we used to go drink at the pat until close at two o'clock and then we'd head over for the last two hours at the rip joint, right? And that way you only had to buy one like $7 beer. It sounds funny to say cause there's isn't beer like $7 everywhere now, but back then it was like super expensive. Um, anyway, so he, but Dave here was a, was a regular in showgirls. It was almost like we came in with Norm when we walked in, but all right. He's like, Oh, you got to come to amateur night. It's funny. You never know, whatever. Okay, sure. So we all go there and we're all hanging out. And sure enough, the guy comes on and oh, all well, the tonight we got seven amateurs and we'll go by the applause and whoever gets the most applause will win $500 or whatever it is. And everybody, Oh, yeah, whoa, here we go. Right. So we're all sitting there during first couple come on and. And I mean, it, and I mean, you can definitely tell they're not the professionals. They're not the circuit girls because they're, uh, you know, they, you know, they, they didn't really have the look for it and they couldn't really dance. Most of them didn't have any rhythm and, uh, you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying, but whatever, they're up there giving it the shot. But, you know, we're just kind of sitting there. Okay. We're kind of looking at Dave, like, really? All right. A couple more beer and we'll get out of here. Whatever. Um, and then out she came. And we were, we, we weren't front row. We weren't sniffers row. We were about three rows back. It kind of was on a tiered thing. We were at like a booth on like the second tier, I think, if I remember right. But, uh, out she comes and she starts dancing and it's the girl from Budget Car Rental that we see every day. And we all look at Dave. We look at her. We look back at Dave and he's just like, holy shit. Cause he didn't know, right? She didn't tell anybody. And, you know, he's just like, just dumbfounded because it was funny because Dave had like a kind of a crush on this girl. Uh, he never said anything to her, but he, you know, so he's just like dumbfounded. And it was funny. She starts dancing and all of a sudden she makes eye contact with our booth and she just stops dead 
right in the middle of the, she stops dead and she's standing there. And I think at this, you know, cause this was like at the strip club, it wasn't just, it was like geared right down, right? There was nothing left to the imagination. And, uh, we're like, holy shit, this is awkward. She's standing there. We're stand, sitting there like, and we're just locked eyes. And it felt like time stood still for like 10 minutes. That's what it felt like. It was probably just about 10, five, 10 seconds, but it felt like a lifetime. And we're like, oh shit. And we're kind of looking at it we're like, what do we do? What do we like? Do we leave? Like, I don't know. But she kept dancing and whatever. And, uh, yeah, afterwards, uh, you know, I don't think she won, but, uh, we, we were cheering for her or whatever. Um, needless to say, the next day when we were running cars back out to the airport and we had to walk by the budget booth. Yeah, that was a little awkward. Yeah, it was kind of sorry. Oh, hey. Yeah, you looked good last night. Congratulations. Kind of, yeah, I gotta go. But, uh, yeah, that was our, that was, we were telling, we were sharing embarrassing work stories and that was, uh, like I said, it wasn't embarrassing for me. Oh, it was kind of embarrassing for me, but much more embarrassing for her because I think she uh, obviously uh, wanted to keep that activity on the down low. And the four idiots from uh, I won't mention the car rental was from from the car rental place SAR. So um, yeah, that was like I said, that was a little awkward for everyone in the everyone at the uh, in, in the car rental business at the airport uh, for a few days. But um, yeah, anyway. I'm sorry if I bored everybody with that story, but we were sharing and, uh, it just, I had it written down, uh, embarrassing work stories. So there you go. Go to amateur night. You never, there's some words, go to amateur night. You never know who you'll run into. Um, (laughs) so there you go. Um, all right, folks, that's it. Follow me on social media for more gems like that on Facebook and on Twitter, fourth line voice. Um, thank you very much for tuning in and, uh, Yes, I don't know. I don't know what this episode was all about. A lot of rambling and staring out the window, and I don't know. But uh, thank you very much. I, and in all seriousness, I always say this, but uh, as I say with everything, uh, I know there's lots of podcasts to listen to. The fact that you chose to listen to this one, I greatly appreciate it. So I will. Uh, I will let you guys go. But uh, thank you very much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you cats on Wednesday. Let's attack the week, everybody. All right, thanks, guys. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 